In recent years, bariatric surgery has had a tremendous growth in popularity. Understanding the psychosocial aspects of treating morbid obesity may help us improve the success rate of these patients postoperatively. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is Dr. David Sauer, the Director of Clinical Services at the Center for Weight and Eating Disorders at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Lunt. It's a pleasure being with you today. How commonly is bariatric surgery performed now in this country? Well, the best estimates that come from the American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery suggest that we're probably somewhere between 250 and 300,000 cases per year currently. Uh, Unfortunately, if we look at the most reliable statistics in the literature based on chart reviews and and such from the early 2000s, we were probably around 100,000 cases in about 2003. But since that time, the surveys that have been done of surgeons and, and data extracted from other sources have really suggested that that number has doubled, if not tripled, just in the last five years alone. Wow. So a huge increase. Absolutely. What's the rate of significant psychopathology in these patients? You know, there's really, when we talk about bariatric surgery and the psychosocial aspects, it's important to realize that there's really almost two different generations of this procedure. These procedures were very popular in the 80s and early 90s and then really fell out of favor. And the studies that were done in that time suggested that patients were very highly psychopathological. More recent studies have also suggested that there's a relatively high rate of psychopathology among these patients, but not as high as the previous reports. But most studies now suggest that somewhere in the neighborhood about 40% of all patients who come in for bariatric surgery have a current or at least a lifetime access one diagnosis. The most common of those are things like major depression and the anxiety disorders, which aren't particularly surprising. So it really does seem like we see higher rates of psychopathology in this patient group as compared to the general population. Mm, and about 40%, you said. That's what some of the estimates. And, and unfortunately, you know, that we haven't seen large-scale epidemiological-like studies, but the, one of the more recent studies that's been done that used structured clinical interviews on several hundred patients replicated many of these previous findings and did, in fact, suggest about 40% of patients. And most commonly diagnosed depression, you said? Most common uh, diagnosis seemed to be the mood disorders, and whether it's a single episode of major depression or recurrent disorders, but at least one study has shown actually a higher rate of the anxiety disorders, not any specific anxiety disorder, but the entire cluster of anxiety disorders were, in fact, a little more common than were the mood disorders. But we also see higher than expected rates of previous substance abuse. And in some studies, although it hasn't been studied as frequently, we see elevated rates of access to psychopathology, the personality disorders, than we would see in the general population. And I think it's important to note here that a lot of people, when they hear these statistics, think that somehow it's the psychopathology that has caused the obesity which I think is very much the interpretation that was made 20 and 30 years ago, that people become obese because of their psychopathology. And in fact, a number of different studies have suggested that that relationship is probably quite bidirectional in that living in a society which puts such a premium on thinness to be extremely obese and 100 or 200 more pounds than our bodies were designed to carry 
probably significantly and negatively impacts the mood and experiences of anxiety of many of the people who suffer from the disease. Makes sense. Now, since the likelihood of psychopathology is so high in these bariatric surgery candidates, is there an established requirement for psychiatric clearance before surgery? Well, unfortunately, as, as in many other areas of medicine, insurance companies often require what types of testing mm-hmm. need to be done and are required before a given surgical procedure. The understanding, and while this varies from state to state, is that most states and the insurance companies in most states now do require some formal mental health evaluation prior to bariatric surgery. But I think even before the insurance companies got on board with requiring this, there are a number of studies from the early 2000s that showed that about 80% of all bariatric surgery programs throughout the country were, even independent of an insurance requirement, were having their patients undergo a psychological evaluation prior to surgery, which I think really suggests that the bariatric surgeons and other members of the bariatric team recognize that there was a significant psychosocial overlay to bariatric surgery. And what is the focus of these psych evaluations? Well, really, the the focus is probably twofold, the first of which is to really look for the presence of significant psychopathology that would actually contraindicate surgery. And so that would be an uncontrolled major depressive disorder, an active substance abuse problem, an active thought disorder, or such as schizophrenia that's not particularly well-controlled. But the other part of the evaluation is really to, for lack of a better term, to really help educate patients about what they're getting themselves into and to really help them understand that in order to be successful after bariatric surgery, it's important that patients are in the position to make the very demanding and rigorous behavioral and dietary changes, which are believed to be so critical to success, mm-hmm. that if a patient is struggling with a mood disorder or is overly anxious and feels that they're going to have a difficult time you know, following this very rigorous diet, it may not be the optimal time for them to go forward with bariatric surgery. So in addition to there being an evaluative component to this, there clearly is a psychoeducational component to many of these evaluations as well. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. David Sauer. We are discussing the possible psychiatric problems in bariatric surgery patients. Now, David, are many patients, in fact, disqualified because of their psych evals? Well, the rumor on the street is yes, oh. in that if you, if you go to the and, and bariatric patients are very Internet and website savvy, so they learn an awful lot from, you know, chat rooms and bariatric surgery websites and also, as you probably are well aware, great deal of mass media coverage on bariatric surgery from reality-based television shows to, you know, more educational programs. But the reality is that while patients often think that most psychologists will disqualify them, studies suggest that only a very small percentage, probably less than 5% of patients, are disqualified from bariatric surgery on the basis of the psych eval. The much more likely recommendation, which is true in about 60% of cases, is that patients are unconditionally recommended for surgery, Hmm. which is that their psychological status is judged to be appropriate and that they're not struggling from significant psychopathology that would contraindicate surgery. And in about a third of patients, the recommendation from the mental health professional will often be that the individual get some additional treatment whether that's uh, an adjustment of their psychiatric medications, they consider entering into psychotherapy, or that they spend some time focusing more on cleaning up their diet prior to surgery. 
And in those cases, those patients are often brought back for a reevaluation in three to six months. So if you flunk, it's not necessarily forever. No. And again, that's, and for a variety of different reasons, programs are oftentimes very reluctant to say patients, no, absolutely not. And that's actually one of the fascinating issues for me working in this area is that it really is looking at the psychological issues as they interface with a very significant medical disease and that we really need to balance any reservations that I or my colleagues may have about a person's mood or level of anxiety with the severity of their obesity, realizing that if this individual doesn't have bariatric surgery, you know, their health is going to be significantly compromised and they may, in fact, experience a premature mortality because of their weight. So should we be doing more from a psychological standpoint before surgery in these patients? One of the things that's clearly happened in the last couple of years is that more and more patients, and again, I think this is a result of the media coverage around bariatric surgery, are coming in for surgery and really thinking that it's all about the surgical procedure, and mm-hmm. it's not about changing their behavior, mm-hmm. and it's not about adhering to this rigorous diet. And unfortunately, as a result, we're seeing an increasing number of patients who aren't doing well after surgery, who are either struggling to keep the weight off or struggling with emotional issues. And so organizations such as the American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery and other professionals who work in this area are really focusing more both on how can we do a better job to educate these patients for surgery, but then what types of programs need to be in place for these patients postoperatively to help them maximize their outcomes, not only in terms of how much weight that they lose and keep off, but also in terms of improvements in psychosocial status and quality of life. So what should we be doing? Well, again, I, I think that many programs now use multidisciplinary teams, both pre- and postoperatively. But I think programs themselves, from the surgeon on down, need to do a better job of convincing patients that post-operative care and continued contact with the team is critically important to success. We know from the behavioral weight control literature that the continued contact with a dietitian, with a mental health professional, or a physician help people maintain their weight more effectively long-term. And surgeons are used to operating on patients and curing the problem and sending them on their way. Mm -hmm. And so bariatric surgeons, it's really a new school of thought, realizing that to effectively treat severe obesity really is going to require chronic care beyond just the surgical procedure. So we, we have to do a better job of addressing the, almost really the magical thinking that these patients have that surgery is it and they don't have to do any work. Right, and that is a significant problem because patients do like to think and, and often because the surgery is in fact so powerful. But again, for many patients, what we're seeing is that a year or two after surgery, after they've lost the weight, they're really struggling to keep it off or they're really struggling with some of the psychosocial sequelae related to the changes in body image, the change in the dynamics of their marital and social relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we'd all like to see these patients be as successful as possible. And I think every member of the bariatric surgery team, from the dietitians to the surgeons to the mental health professionals, can do a better job of that. So in terms of the proper workup pre-op in these patients, an evaluation sounds like the very minimum thing, and to do more intensive work pre-op can help post-op outcome. Absolutely. And about, a, about one-third to 40% of all patients who present for bariatric surgery are actually engaged in some form of psychiatric treatment at the time of surgery. The most common form of treatment is the use of a low-dose antidepressant from, that's actually being prescribed by a primary care physician and not a psychiatrist. 
And so in those situations, it's really important that the mental health professionals who know about bariatric surgery close the loop, if you will, contact the treating professionals in the community, and really make sure that patients are appropriate for surgery at a given point in time. What often gets lost in the shuffle with these patients is that this is still an elective procedure. And obviously, we'd like to see patients elect to pursue this from a position of strength and at times a relative stability in their lives, and not out of a sense of desperation or at a time when things are particularly chaotic or stressful. Makes great sense. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Sure thing, Dr. London. It was a pleasure. We've been speaking with Dr. David Sauer from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine's Center for Weight and Eating Disorders about the psychological workup prior to bariatric surgery. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You're listening to ReachMD.com on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. That's 888-639-6157. Thank you for listening.